Thanks for checking out the Reveal Vineyard podcast. We are a Jesus-centered community in El Mirage, Arizona. We hope through these conversations your spirit will be stirred. For more information, you can visit our website at www.revealvineyard.com. We are uh, on our series called The Me I Want to Be. With the new year comes new possibility, new resolutions, new commitments, where we promise ourselves that this is the year that I will become the me I want to be. Let's go and run that video piece. We've all said it. This is the year I become the me I want to be. Listen, I know there's a lot of places you can be today, a lot of things that you can be doing, but few of them carry the potential of what we're doing today. And I understand, I realize with the new years, new possibilities, new horizons, new potential for us, uh, and new resolutions that commit to a new change and spiritual growth and uh, mental and emotional growth. And in each of us, there is this belief that out there, somewhere in the future, is this future me that I want to be. And we commit that this is the year that I will step into the me that I want to be. We, we kind of discussed this uh, last, last week where um, I did some drawings for you. Some of you, you don't know this, but uh, I was actually an art major in uh, second grade. And um, so, right, there is, over here is what we've called the me I see, right? This is the me that I am now. And over here is this, this me that I want to be. We abbreviate it, and we said, this is like me 2.0. This is the better version of me that I want to become this year. The, the, the things that are in my head, you know, that, that, that I, I'm moving towards this me. But in between the me I see and the me that I want to be is this gap. And the gap is where we live, in between what I see in the mirror and what I eventually want to become. We, we have this, this gap problem that we live with. This is the, the gap is, I want to go to the gym, but I love Krispy Kreme, right? That, that's the struggle, and I want to be more forgiving, but I'm holding on to a grudge. Or I know the dad and mom that I want to be, it's over here, uh, but I know the dad and mom that I, I am right now. I'm not where I want to be, and I want to be married, but I can't get a date, and I want to be happy, but I struggle with anxiety, and depression, or I want to go to church. I, I really do want to go to church, but the pastor puts me to sleep. And not at this church, but some churches. And I want to read the Bible, but there's so much on Netflix. And this is the gap that we live in, right? The, the me that I that I am, but but out there somewhere in the future is this me that I want to be. And and the gap is where we live in. And last week we asked some questions. We said, when you think of me 2.0, when we think of the me that, that, that you want to be, who informed that image of you? Because we said that there's a strong possibility of the me that you want to be. Maybe it was informed through culture. Culture will, will tell you, society will tell you exactly who you are supposed to be and what you're supposed to look like and live like. But we also said that maybe it was influenced by family. We said, family often will have a vision for the type of person you're supposed to be and what life is supposed to look like. And parents, we're, we're, we, we have good intentions, but sometimes we get a little carried away. We never know when to back off and just let our children be who they were created to be. And we said this one was a little bit difficult, but sometimes religion 
especially religions of, of guilt and strong-arm tactics and, and, and that, that try to heap things upon you uh, with stereotypes and ideals and standards of who you're supposed to be and, and what you're supposed to look like. And we said, it's possible that the me that I want to be was misinformed. That this vision of the me in the future, it's possible that the me that I want to be really isn't the me that I'm supposed to be. And so we kind of broke that down and we said, well, well, well what, if, what if there's a new way and what if it's not the me that, I'm, that I want to be, but we substituted this word and we said, what if it's the me that I'm, I'm called to be? Well, what if we looked at this year as we're stepping into the, the, the creator's vision for my life, the, the creator's purpose for me, that, 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 that we'll step closer to, to his vision and his plan. We, we'll stop living off of someone else's agenda and someone else's ideas, and we'll start to, to step towards his function and his vision for us. We said that, that, that there's a struggle that, that comes with this in that between the, the me that I see over here and between the me that I want to be, that, that, that gap exists. And so we think that naturally we can close this gap on our own, that if we can come up with enough heroic effort or, or that we can just try hard enough, we, we can close this gap. And so we fall into a cycle that actually becomes damaging to us spiritually, right? We, 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 we see the difference between who I am and who I want to be, and so we feel guilty. And so our decision is, well, because I'm not the me that, that I want to be, or even the me that I'm called to be. So our decision is, well, we're just going to simply try harder. And so we begin to take on activities, and it's a new book, and it's a new seminar, or maybe for some people it's a new church, because it, you know, it, the, the church is the problem. And so we decide at the beginning of every year that I'm just going to try harder to close this gap, to be the me that I want to be, or the me that, that, that I'm called to be. And what happens is we try harder until eventually we're just tired and exhausted and we're frustrated. And, 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 and after we're frustrated long enough because effort without movement is exhausting, we just decide, you know, you know what the best thing for me to do is I, I'm just going to quit. And we quit. We're like, I'm not even going to try it anymore. And, and we quit until guilt builds up enough and eventually guilt builds up high enough that we decide, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try harder. And we just perpetually get caught in this cycle. And we asked last week, what if God has a different cycle for our lives? And, and what if God's vision for us does not involve this perpetual guilt and, and this perpetual cycle that we get caught, that we get caught in? Because the truth is that the me that I want to be, I may never be. But the me that I'm called to be, God will destine me to be. And so this idea of stepping into that, that idea of the me that I'm, I'm called to be, Philippians 1.6 says this, being confident of this, that he who began the good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And I love this because it clearly says that the work that was started in me was not started by me. And that the completion, closing the gap, really isn't my project, that it's God's project in me, that it's his responsibility to get me from the me I see to the me that I want to be. And my job is simply to stay close. And we unpacked that last week by talking about seven spiritual pathways. And you can listen to that online to get caught up 
in this series. Today I want to talk about the me that I want to be, and I want us to focus on the word focus and what that means for us. Because in the gap, one of the challenges we have is maintaining focus. The gap will throw a lot of things our way and can knock us off track. So let's pray as we jump in today. Lord, we're going to continue to seek you and continue to see what it is that you have for us. And so we uh, invite your presence now, Holy Spirit, uh, to be with us and to teach us and to train us and to transform us. We say a yes to that word of salvation. I pray uh, for any here who may not know you or still is exploring uh, the ideas of faith and the ideas of Christ Today, would they sense the presence of God upon them? Would they be convinced of who you are and the good plan that you have for their life? As we continue with worship, even through our offering, uh, we place you first, even in that thing which can easily grip us, that we place you first, even over our finances, uh, as we continue with an attitude of worship and giving out of joy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. It's possible to hear uh, and not listen. Just ask my wife. Conversations that we've had where both of us are hearing, but only one of us is listening. And she has this thing that when she, when she senses that I'm beginning to drift and my attention is divided and I'm no longer focusing, She'll take the conversation in an unexpected turn to see if she can snap me back into the conversation. Often it will go something like this. She'll say, uh, we're having a conversation. She gets it. I'm not really, uh, I'm not listening. I'm hearing, but not listening. And she'll say something like, so there I was in Walmart, completely naked in the produce aisle. (laughs) Now, nothing snaps a man back into the conversation like the word naked. And so, so I'm, you know, quickly, I'm like, yeah, what, what did you say? Uh, because we can, we, can, we can hear, but, but we, we, we don't listen. There are times uh, that, that, that we can hear the, the audible noise coming out of someone's mouth, but we're not actually listening, paying attention. Our attention is divided, and we've lost focus. Sheila was in a deep conversation with our six-year-old son, who, like his dad, has a difficult time focusing. And she got down on his level, and she put his chubby cheeks in her hands. She said, now, I need you to pay attention to me. And I need you to focus on what I'm saying. And to our surprise, he focused for the full minute of the conversation. And we thought, this is like a miracle of God. If you, you, know, if you have a child who's quickly distracted, a minute staring her in the eyes. And then afterwards, she said, now, do you have any questions for me? And he said, I smell peanut butter. That was, that was his response. But... So there's, you know, we, we, can, we can hear, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we listen. It's possible to hear and, and not listen. Some of you, you're doing it right now. You hear, but you're not listening. So there I was in Walmart. Yeah, we'll just rush, get that image out of your head completely. Some of you are like, yeah, it's time for a new church. It's time. Perhaps the greatest challenge in life is maintaining focus on what really matters. Because... What you focus on really determines your future. Listen to how Paul said it in 2 Corinthians 4. He says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day, for our light momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. 
So we fix our eyes, right? We, we focus not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Paul's speaking into our, our spiritual faith journey, the journey between who I am and who I'm ultimately called to be, and he's addressing the gap, the gap between the me I see and the me I want to be, or the me that I'm called to be. And he understands that living in this gap can be frustrating, and there's struggles, and, and there's issues, and life is hard. But he says, in the middle of the gap is when we have to decide what we're going to focus on. Because what you focus on determines your future. Really, what is at stake is what is influencing your journey. And if the main influencer of your journey is the temporary afflictions that you're going through now, Paul understands something, you're going to have a rough spiritual journey. And so he gives us this idea that we have to focus on something other than the temporary. Set our eyes, fix our eyes on something. See, what you focus on, what I focus on, you magnify. Now, think, think about that. What you focus on, you magnify. A magnifying glass, whatever you place underneath it, is magnified, right? You can also set ants on fire, but that's a whole nother, nother story. What you focus on is magnified, and that's true in all of life. That whatever I focus on, I magnify. Have you ever had, in your younger days, maybe, maybe, maybe if you're a little older, have you ever had a big zit somewhere on your face? And the longer you focus on it, the bigger it gets. Do you remember that? It's just like the longer you focus, the bigger it just kind of keeps getting. Have you ever put on a pair of pants and you look at your butt and the longer you focus on it, the bigger it gets, right? right? Because what you focus on it gets magnified, right? This is true in all of life. Now listen, whatever you focus on, you magnify. And whatever you magnify, you focus on. It's a cycle. And so whatever you focus on gets magnified. And whatever gets bigger in your life, you can't help but focus on it. And you focus on it. And as you focus, it just keeps getting bigger. And Paul understands something. That we have to set our eyes on the right things because what you focus on you magnify he says look i understand you're going through a rough patch right now but he says this light momentary affliction right it's temporary he says so we fix our eyes not on what is seen but on what is unseen in other words i know that things have not turned out maybe as you have have hoped but don't focus on the challenges that are temporary because it will only magnify those challenges in other words, he's saying, look, at all of us have a choice in what we decide to focus on. And in return, we have a choice regarding what will be magnified in our lives. Look at Philippians 4.8. It's a great verse if you're looking to memorize a, a scripture passage this week. Paul is writing to the church of Philippi. He says, hey, listen, whatever is true, and whatever is noble, and whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy think about such things let your mind dwell or we could say focus magnify such things here, here, here's our first focus point focus 2018 focus magnify the good in your life paul unpacks this powerful spiritual opportunity he says set your mind right we know the battle 
takes place in the mind. Paul says, set your focus, set your mind on truth and that which is decent and right and pure and lovely. Set your mind on things of excellence. Why? Because what you focus on, you're going to magnify. And I think sometimes in life, we spend too much time focusing on our disappointment and our past failures. We focus on the job loss or the lost promotion or the raise we didn't get or the house we lost or the relationship or, 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 or grades or a bad turn of events. And we focus on the disappointment and we magnify the disappointment. And when we magnify the disappointment, we can't help but focus on the disappointment, which magnifies the disappointment. And that cycle continues to, to, to occur. It's not that we're going to ignore the bad stuff. We just have to understand that what we focus on, we magnify, and the problem is probably already big enough and doesn't need to have, have, have a focus on it because it's just going to continue to grow. In other words, what are we giving power to in our lives? We focus on our hurt, then our hurt is magnified. Focus on disappointment, disappointment is magnified. In other words, can you find anything good today to focus on? Is there anything taking place in life? Maybe you got to search for it, dig for it, hunt for it. Is there anything that you can begin to fix your mind on, focus on, that is good in order that the good in your life will be magnified? I heard someone say recently that negativity is the verbalization of internal defeat. That struck me really strong today or this week. Negativity is the verbalization of internal defeat. By nature, I'm a pessimist. Anyone else a pessimist? Come on, be honest with me. You can, the glass is not half empty. It's not even there, right? Anyone? It, some of you? We should do a group together. <laughs> now, nah, but you probably wouldn't come. It's probably a bad group. Anyway. So, listen, by nature, I can see the worst in everything. It's just, right, thankfully, I have a wife that kind of balances me out. Our first home uh, developed a small leak in the roof. It was a brand new home, had a little paint bubble and a rainstorm. And I was like, we're selling the house. I'm like, this place is a piece of junk. And I went off. She's like, it's a little tiny leak. It's about $1.50 worth of caulk around a vent. But I can see the worst, right? Negativity is the verbalization of an internal defeat. In other words, some, some of us can find something negative in everything. And it's something that we have to work on to fix our, our gaze, our focus on what is good. Someone could give you a car and you're responsible. I still got to pay the insurance. <laughs> right? Right? And so Paul's like, look, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever, whatever is pure, whatever is of excellence, focus on those things. Be careful what you focus on. Hey, th- this is especially important in relationships, Right? Uh, keep, keep, keep this in mind, that in relationships, there is there is the we I see, right? You're married, and then over here is the other side. And the we I want to be or the we that I'm called to be. 
And, and in between us, between the we that I see in the mirror when I look at my relationship, look at my marriage, and the we that I want to be, this vision, the grass is greener kind of thing, is the gap that we live in. What you focus on in the gap determines how close you get to the we that we actually want to be. Let me, let me give you an example. Uh, this year, my wife and I will have been married Uh, 26 years. And let me give you a little secret of 26 years of marriage. There are things about my wife that drive me crazy. If you've been married for longer than a month, you've already discovered there's something a little off about your spouse, right? But here's the other side of it. 26 years of marriage, my wife would tell you there are things about my husband that drive me nuts. I leave my clothes on the floor. I'll be late to my own funeral. I only catch about 75% of what she's saying on a good day. My mind is easily distracted during conversations. I can procrastinate. Our first year of marriage, we had a live tree that sat in the garage until May. Because I was so embarrassed after January was through, like, I can't take the tree out now. And so it just sat in the garage, a fire hazard. I can detach quickly from arguments. I can be moody like a teenage girl. That's just who I am. When in an argument, my nervous reaction is I smile and laugh. Our first argument as a married couple, I stood behind a doorway coming in and out. And when I start to laugh, I'd step this way so she couldn't see me. And she threw a remote control at me. True story. I'm opinionated. Here, this will shock you. I'm opinionated to a fault. My family plays a game. Let's pick out a table in the restaurant. And when dad's finished ordering, see if he changes it. And most of the time, I change the table. That's right. I, I, I could go on about my faults. Here, here, here's, here's where I'm going. If my wife wanted to focus on the bad, she would have had 26 years to magnify the bad. Ask either one of us. 26 years of marriage. Both of us would tell you. Best 26 years of our life. Not because either one of us is perfect, but because at some point we decided to focus on the good Whatever is true in our relationship, whatever is virtuous, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy. And when you focus on the good, you magnify the good. And suddenly the bad's still there, but it's not what's staring you in the face. And so I understand the me that we see and the we that we want to be. But in the gap, focus on the good. Look at what Paul says in Philippians 2. We'll give us another focus point. He says, not that I've already obtained all of this or or have already arrived at my goal. Paul's, he's living in the gap, right? I know where I want to be, but I also know where I'm at. He says, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Uh, Which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, meaning I'm not there yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what lies ahead. What is ahead? I press toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Here's your second focus point. Focus on the future. You can't step into your future while living in a prison in your past. And Paul says, look, there's a lot of things that I don't know, but this is one thing that I do know. I can't live in the past. I can't be tied down to my past failures and my past mistake. I can't be chained to the worst decisions of my life. I can't allow the negative season of my life to determine my future. And Paul knew all about a negative season in life, right? He was persecuting Christians. 
The apostle, look, this one thing I know. I can't live in past regrets. I have to move forward. My focus has to lie in front of me. Or I will never step into the person that I'm called to be. Now we can live in past regrets, but how many of you also know that we can live in past glory? If you read the rest of Philippians 3, I encourage you to read it this week. Paul also gives a list of things that he could be rather proud of. Some things that he can hang his hat on. But what he's saying is, look, whatever I had in the past, whether good or bad, I'm moving past it to step into the future. Do you know anyone who continually is reliving their glory days of high school and college? Al Bundy, right? Anybody? Right? It's like, you're 58 years old, man. Let it go. Right? But we can't. Let it go. Sing it with me. Let it go. Now, listen out. That'll be a new low in the church. Sometimes we cling to yesterday's blessing when God is trying to get us to step into tomorrow's blessing. And sometimes we, we, we kind of live in the past and we call it the good old days, right? No, nothing changed about the good old days except we just got a little bit older. And maybe the key of life is recognizing that today, one day will be the good old days. And being able to enjoy, quote, the good old day while you're in the good old day. And so this idea of focusing on the future of what God has for us and what God is calling us into and what God is moving us into. Here's, here's my last focus point. Author of Hebrews, we're not sure who it is, in chapter 12 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us in the sin, uh, hinders in the sin that so easily entangles us. In other words, shake it off, move past it. He says, And let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us, fixing, here it comes again, fixing our eyes on Jesus. We could say focusing on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Other translation says, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Here's your last focus point. Focus on the Savior. If there's anything that you can focus on this year, my advice would be to focus on Jesus. It's one of the hills that we die on, that everything that we do has to reflect Jesus, that everything is about Jesus. Max Lucado in his book, It's Not About Me, Lucado begins his book by reminding us of the fact that humans used to believe that the earth was the center of everything, the center of the universe, until Nicholas Copernicus came along and started saying, hey, we got this wrong. In, in, in our solar system, it's not the earth, but it's, it's actually the sun is the center of our solar system. And he was accused of being crazy. And, and, and those, his opponents kept insisting that the earth was the stabilizing force and the center of everything. And today, of course, we know that Copernicus was correct. And Locato says, what Copernicus did for the earth, God has done for the human soul. Tapping the collective shoulders of humanity, he points to his son, his son, and says, behold, the center of it all. If you want to step into the person that you're called to be, the best advice I could give you is to fix your eyes on Jesus, who for the joy set before him, think of this, the joy set before him, he endured the cross, right? The crucifixion and the cross and the shame that came with it. And we have to look at, well, what was that joy? The joy on the other side of the cross was you. The joy on the other side of the cross was me. 
This idea of Jesus saying, I'll endure all of this because on the other side of this, it will make possible the forgiveness of sin. And the gap between man and God can be closed, not because you can do it on your own heroic effort, but the cross will close that gap. And there's a beauty in this of Jesus saying, I endured the shame and the crucifixion and the pain and the heartbreak of all of it because on the other side was you. But it just wasn't the crucifixion. It was the power of the resurrection. And now the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, Romans says, now lives in us, meaning whatever is dead in you can come to life. Let me have the band come up as we're going to close. The best thing that I can give you today is that you focus on the Savior Jesus. And I don't know where you're at in that decision, where you're at in that process, but the best thing, the best decision that you can make today is to focus on Jesus. I want to read the lyrics of the song that we sang earlier today, and we're going to close with it, and I want you to sing it with full conviction. The idea of Jesus being our rescuer. It says, There is good news for the captive." And good news for the shamed. There is good news for the one who walked away. There is good news for the doubter, the one religion failed. For the good Lord has come to seek and save. It says that he is beauty for the blind man and he is riches for the poor. He is friendship for the one the world ignores. He is pasture for the weary. Rest for those who strive. The good Lord is the way, the truth, and the life. He is our rescuer see why fix your eyes on jesus is where else have you found a love like that where else has the idea of of someone coming to give his life for you while you were still an enemy of his and today i would invite you that you would make that decision if you never have that you would step into faith and fix your eyes on jesus church stand with me we're going to sing i'm going to bring those lights down And I'm going to encourage you that you would sing this with full conviction. Jesus crucified for the joy set before him. And you were that joy. Now I'm going to give a big challenge for some of you. If you've never made that decision to follow Christ, I'm going to be over here. And I'm going to ask that you would be so bold. You would just come over and see me. And I want to pray with you. And I realize, well, what about every head bow and every eyes closed so I can just kind of slip up a finger? I get it. But it's too big for that. And so I'm challenging you to fix your eyes on Jesus this year. So, church, you know how when you're in a bar... Not that I've ever been in a bar, but when you're in a bar and a song comes on and you can be like, hey, and you're just in it and then you get in church, you're like, I'm not doing that in church. This is your warning. Next time, I'm coming after you. Listen, if, um, if you've never met Jesus, uh, don't let today pass you by without making that decision. And there are people around this room in various stages of their faith journey who would tell you uh, it was the best decision they've made. And getting our focus off of ourselves and putting our focus on the one who is eternal.
So I bless you, church, that you would experience the fruit of the presence of God in your life, that his hand would be upon you, that his face would shine upon you, and that this year you would step in to the me that you're called to be. And I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.